Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. You're listening to the Broncos and Bratwurst podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Gillikin. I'll be joined later on with a segment by the Skipper Dude, who brings his ever-unique perspective to the world of football and the Denver Broncos. We are obviously covering the Broncos preseason game against the Seattle Seahawks, the week one of the preseason Obviously, terribly heartbreaking that they lost in Seattle to Paxton Lynch. I know everyone is crying in their cereal this morning, um, but I think we'll get over it and get going and be prepared as a fan base for the next preseason game against the San Francisco 49ers next Monday night. I believe they're joint practices. They're practicing with the 49ers um, the whole week. I believe, though, that the fan... The fans can only see the next few practices. I think that it's closed to the fans after Thursday, I believe. So I hope I can get Dom, my brother Dom, over to watch another game at Dove Valley since he lives right there, and he can give us another live um, input. Um, about the game, uh, yeah, you know, it, it was a preseason game. It was uglier than than normal even because of the penalties. My goodness. Seriously, I mean, they, they've got to... The league office or somebody has to fine referees if they call more than 30 penalties in a game. Just stop, okay? There and, and Come on, and I get it. Sometimes it's sloppy and it's messy, but there were a lot of those calls that were just purely ticky-tack. And it, good grief, it's preseason. Even regular season, it's annoying, but that, that game was almost unwatchable. It was almost unwatchable. And it, geez, I mean, I'm, I'm starving for football. I could barely finish the game because every play was followed by a penalty. Was there a single special teams play that didn't have a flag? Just let the guys play. I mean, yeah, okay. If they're doing something illegal, call them. But 
stop being so ticky tack. Oh, yuck. I know everyone agrees with me. That game was just brutal. Now, part of it, yes, was we had to watch Paxton Lynch have a bit of success. And we're going to obviously talk about that because that was one of my points that from last week, the, from the last podcast, that I wanted him to get knocked on his butt. I wanted the Broncos to punish him a bit, and they didn't. Now, should we panic about that? No, of course not. He was playing against the third and fourth stringers, but it, it does hurt a little bit. It does. Uh, maybe that's not for everyone. Maybe other people don't care. I know on the milehighreport.com comment section, I was getting blasted a bit from a few people for, for saying that he should get knocked on his butt. I don't really get that. I mean, I think it's just natural for us to want guys who didn't work out here and then go and, you know, kind of badmouth us to, to get knocked flat. Now, yeah, he didn't say anything too bad. And yeah, you know, it wasn't only his fault that, that the Broncos failed. But when you can't beat out Trevor Simeon or, or Case Keenum or, or Brock Osweiler at quarterback, then shut your mouth just shut your mouth. I mean, it's like, it's like me as a podcaster. Now I like what I do. I think mileheartreport.com is, is a special niche in Broncos community. I truly believe that. I think they have the best content you'll find anywhere. And I'm not just saying that biased. I really believe that, but it would be like me going and just throwing shade all the time at say Jim Rome or, or Colin Cowherd. Now, yeah, these guys aren't always right, but you know what? Who am I? <laughs> Who am I? I haven't had great success in the league. Now, even it's even different with Paxton Lynch because he had a chance. Dude was picked in the first round, didn't do crap. But as he did at times with the Broncos, he had great success against the number threes. And yeah, it's 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 a bit of a bummer. But life goes on. You know, life goes on. It was an interesting game besides Lynch and Locke. There was so little to watch. I mean, the game started with with Flacco for the Broncos on offense, um, and I think he passed the ball three times, and he had two screens. He missed a he missed Sutton in the end zone. They ended up kicking a field goal. It was the most meh drive I've ever seen ever, and it, it was it was a pretty good drive. I mean, partly because some nice um, some nice rushes from Freeman and Lindsey, but I mean, yeah. You know, Flacco looked so whelming. It's fine. I'm not panicking, but I think that's, I I just, as I was watching it, it really made me think, this is what we are now. You know, this is what we are. This is the offense that we are, that we're going to be a check down screen offense. I mean, Joe Flacco had the least yards per attempt last year in all of football. He was number 32. And I think it was, what, 6.5 per attempt or something. That's, that's Dinkin and Duncan. And obviously, as fans, that's a little hard to deal with unless you're winning. Now, if they can win and he's doing that, great. No problem. If if Philip Lindsay, Royce Freeman, and, and the rest of the team can can step up and be exciting and be something special, and Flacco just has to dink and dunk, okay, cool. We'll see. It was not exciting from Joe Flacco. Let's just say that. Now, I thought that the, the line looked good. We're going to talk about all the pros and cons later, the three things we liked and three things we didn't like as you will find in our article on milehighreport.com. Um, we'll also talk about um, next week, what we want to see against the 49ers. Um, some news coming out of this game, of course. And also, some, we're going to go around the NFL a little bit because there are some pretty good stories around the National Football League that, that deserve to be covered a little bit and deserve to be, you know, have our attention. I, I my, my computer, seriously, I was just recording this this podcast 
and the computer just shuts down and decides to um, reboot just, you know, out of nowhere. And it took, it seriously took like two or three hours to reboot. So while that was happening, I watched the, um, the Oakland Raiders um, Hard Knocks episode one, because why not? Um, interesting. I think it's kind of funny to see that Antonio Brown like got frostbite on his feet. <laughs> Maybe that's terrible. Maybe I shouldn't laugh, but he's out there running. So it's nothing too terrible, but really? You freeze your feet off? It's such a Raider thing. Such a Raider thing. Anyway, we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Um, other impressions from the game. I, I thought, obviously, the biggest thing that came from the game was that Drew Locke took a big step forward. He took a big step forward. Now, was he great? No. Was he perfect? No. Was he good? Eh, he was okay. But he looked so much better than he did last week at the Hall of Fame game. And that is a big thing because it shows that he can learn, he can improve, he can feel more comfortable in the pocket. He made some good decisions. He looked better, you know, with his throwing motion. He looked better with his footwork. That, to me, is enough. That's what you're looking for in a preseason game one, especially with a rookie, a rookie quarterback. That's what you want to see. You want to see improvement. And, you know, again, I think he showed enough improvement that he should still get more time, a lot more time than Kevin Hogan. That's that's the main thing this year. Locke needs to get in. He has to improve enough. He has to be good enough to get more time than Hogan because then he can improve, especially in the preseason. Now, obviously, that also means if Locke is number two, Joe Flacco gets hurt, then Locke goes in. But do we really think, do we really think the Broncos are going to compete this year? We don't. We don't. No one does. I mean, maybe, you know, the the, the most Kool-Aid drunk fans out there, but, but that's not what's going to happen this year unless some miracle happens. There's too many holes on this team. They're definitely headed in the right direction. I firmly believe that. One way or another. Now, in all ways, no. I don't love the Flacco signing. I, I think that he can work in this scheme, and so I like it to that point. But it's just it's a it's a band aid, and, it, and it's a it's a way that doesn't work in the NFL. The, these fairly expensive veteran guys that aren't Hall of Famers, you don't win with them. Period. <laughs> that tell me tell me an example where that's not the case. Maybe Nick Foles. I mean, but that was really extreme, and he didn't win the entire year. He just won a few games in the playoffs. But other than him, yeah, I mean, you, you you either have to be young on a rookie contract or you have to be a Hall of Famer. That's just how it works. So I don't love that structure, but the rest, they're, they're building something. I think the offense is moving in the right direction. They've got some pieces on the offensive line now. They've got some pieces at running back. They've got Noah Fant. Drew Locke showed something. And so the offense, it's, it's, it's moving along. Is it going to be great this year? Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. And we're going to talk about that later why we think this offense is going to be pretty ugly. Now, I think there are going to be guys who are going to succeed in it. There are going to be guys you might want to pick up in fantasy. Um, One of them is not Joe Flacco. Let's just say that. Um, As for for Paxton Lynch, I'm going to leave that a little more for the skipper dude to talk about coming up. Um, And he will give a breakdown of what he thought of the game Paxton Lynch had. After that, we're going to go through the three things we liked and the three things we didn't like from the preseason game one against the Seattle Seahawks. I'm going to send it straight over to the skipper dude after this quick break. Stop it now. 
Thanks as always for having me on, Kevin. I am the Skipper Dude, proud Broncos fan since 1984. So today, before I get started, I wanted to thank those of you who followed me on Twitter this past week. And a special shout out to Matthew B. Thank you for the kind words. And also a, a congratulations to Kevin and Broncos and Bratwurst podcast. Um, top 10 at all of SB Nation a couple weeks ago in the lead up to the Hall of Fame game. So kudos to you, Kevin, and a big thank you to all of our followers. So today, I, I thought I'd share a few reflections on last Thursday's preseason game against Seattle. Definitely a nice game for the first team. Joe Flacco was decent. Royce Freeman busted the 50-yard run early, and the defense was dominant. I think only 33 yards of offense at, at one point um, into the second quarter. Obviously, the Broncos eventually lost the game in the second half, but as meaningless as preseason games are, second halves of preseason games are like double meaningless, played mostly by guys who are, will be selling insurance by early September. I think the highlights were pretty much what we expected going in. Drew Locke looked much better and more confident in his second game out. This has to be big news for John Elway, who's probably a step closer to seeing his Plan A quarterback rotation of Joe Flacco, Drew Locke, and Brett Rippon come to fruition. Really, Locke just needs to show enough development and maturity to convince Fig Fangio and, and Rich Gangarello that if he needs him, if they need him to fill in for Flacco, a Flacco injury for three or four weeks, that Locke is going to give you a fighting chance to win a couple of those games. And Locke may not be there yet, but he certainly seems to be on the right path. On defense, Justin Hollins is an absolute physical freak, an amazing combination of size and speed, and really could play a meaningful role with this defense as soon as this year. And undrafted rookie Malik Reed popped again with another sack. John Elway appears to have found another stud undrafted rookie free agent on defense to replace the stud undrafted rookie free agent Shaq Barrett, who left for greener pastures in Tampa Bay this offseason. But the story of the night, I thought, was Paxton Lynch. Paxton actually ended up as the Seahawks' leading passer and rusher, at least up until the last minute or two, going 11 for 15 for 109 yards and a touchdown, as well as four carries for 38 yards and a very impressive touchdown run as well. Now let's be real about something here first. Paxton Lynch owning a bunch of third stringers in the preseason is really nothing new. In his final preseason game against Arizona last year, he went 14 for 15 for 128 yards and two touchdowns. So I wouldn't read too much into him owning the Broncos' third-string defense. His particular toolbox works extremely well in preseason games against lesser defensive talent. But Paxton's performance last Thursday got me to reflecting on what absolute hot garbage the Broncos had in terms of their offensive coordinators during the ill-fated Paxton Lynch era, and in fact, dating all the way back to probably Adam Gase. Paxton Lynch himself, he, he was drafted along with Trevor Simeon in 2016. If you remember that year, Gary Kubak was still the head coach, and perpetual dead weight Rick Dennison was his offensive coordinator. And if you remember, Kubes was still calling plays and running a bloated, overly complicated version of the old Mike Shanahan offense, and he had really gone stale as an offensive mastermind, even with Peyton Manning as his quarterback. So Coobs moved upstairs after 2016, and Elway brought in Vance Joseph and Mike McCoy. 
And McCoy had a bit of a resume to his credit, having architected the miracle Tim Tebow run of 2011 in Denver, and also having helped to resurrect Philip Rivers' career in San Diego. But McCoy was another guy who just seemed to have lost his spark by the time he got to Denver. His offense was bland, creative, and uninspired. And yeah, Lynch and Simeon were probably not the guys to bring it to life, but McCoy was pretty well another failed offensive coordinator. After he was fired in Denver, in fact, he popped up again in Arizona. And I don't know if you remember this, but he ended up getting fired there as well after the famous Von Miller, we're going to kick their asses game. Okay, so following McCoy then was Bill Musgrave, another old John Elway crony. You see the, the trend here. Who, outside of a short wind, a success window with Derek Carr in Oakland, had no real success at, 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 on his resume as an offensive coordinator. So Paxton Lynch was in Denver for three years, under or part of three years, under three different offensive coordinators, and arguably all three of them sucked. So I have to ask the question, what if the problem with Paxton Lynch was not Paxton Lynch, but was in fact John Elway? What if John Elway drafted the right guy, as perhaps it will turn out over the long haul, but failed to surround him with the right coaching talent? I mean... Is Paxton Lynch really a lesser quarterback than Nick Mullins, who Rick Scangarello made look like a serviceable NFL quarterback in San Francisco last year? Uh, maybe Paxton was right. Maybe he just needed a change of scenery, and maybe he'll blossom up in Seattle or somewhere else and eventually become an NFL starting quarterback. It makes you wonder how Paxton would have done here with the right offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. For my part, I know I bear no ill will towards Paxton Lynch at all. What Was he a guy who reportedly doesn't have the work ethic of a NFL starting quarterback? Yeah, that's definitely a story. But what if Paxton's video game obsession is more urban myth than reality, and he'd have done better here with a quarterback's coach who just kicked his butt more? There's no doubt Paxton didn't progress as a quarterback in his two-plus years in Denver, but he didn't do anything to deserve becoming public enemy number one here either. He didn't flip off the crowd on his way out. He didn't publicly call out the Broncos organization for not developing well or anything like that. Things just didn't work out. Personally, I really wish Paxton Lynch nothing but the best in his future endeavors. Short of an injury to Russell Wilson, he's not going anywhere in Seattle. I tend to think Paxton's best opportunity is probably in Tampa Bay, where I'm foreseeing crabby pants Jamius Winston flaming out with new head coach Bruce Arians. Who's to say that Paxton might not be able to he might not be able to be a success somewhere like Tampa Bay. I mean if nothing else, they could take a picture of him with a knife in his mouth and use him to update their logo, right? But but I think it's gonna be very, very interesting to see how the next few years play out for Paxton Lynch and Trevor Simeon and Case Keenum and Chad Kelly. Maybe we had things better than we realized at the quarterback position and we're putting all of our blame for our offensive woes on the wrong shoulders. Maybe what we needed was some time and patience, and most importantly, some competent coaches on offense. Time will tell. Kevin, back to you. Whoa, the skipper dude with an optimistic approach about Paxton Lynch. That may be the first in all of Denver media in the last three years. But but you know, honestly, it's a bit of a breath of fresh air. And I think that he makes some really good points. I don't 
necessarily agree, but I don't disagree either. I think that obviously Lynch was not put in a very good position, and Elway didn't put him in a good position. They, they, there, it was a revolving door of coaches and, and coordinators and not an extremely talented offense. So, yeah, I mean, they didn't help Lynch, but Lynch didn't help them either. There have been good quarterbacks who've who've done a lot with a little, you know, in the past. And yeah, maybe they need to be great. But that's what the Broncos tried to get. That's what you always try to get with a quarterback in the first round. You hope they're great. You hope they're a future Hall of Famer. And Lynch just wasn't that, isn't that. And he's not going to be that. Now, can he be a decent NFL quarterback? I I doubt it. I mean, I don't think he's got the skills. You know, I don't think he's got the brain. And I don't know if he's got the work ethic. But we'll see. I mean, I, I don't wish ill on him. Yeah, I did wish him to be put on his backside, but it's not ill. I, I don't want him to be without a job. I, again, that, that's I don't want anyone in the NFL or any sports to be without a job or to be injured. I, I really want to be clear about that, that I don't wish actual ill on them. I do want them to be whooped a little bit. That's old-fashioned football. That That's football. Why is everyone so nice about everyone? I don't like Paxton Lynch when he's playing for another team. I don't like it when he talks at least slightly a little bit of trash against the Broncos I don't like it and you know what when I don't like it I want the Broncos to go in and hurt him a little bit put him on his butt and they didn't I wish they had you know there, there are guys in the NFL I don't like you know either from their off the field stuff or from their on the field stuff because they're 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 rivals maybe they're ex-Broncos that that's rivalry what what when did football fans become so I don't know, pussyfooted, you know? They're so scared to, to 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 touch anything. And, oh, I don't want to say anything mean. This is football. These guys hit each other for a living. I mean, come on. Yeah, sometimes I talk trash. Sometimes I talk smack about the Chiefs or these other guys. And, you know, sometimes I just don't like people. And, I, you know, if, if the Broncos played the Packers, I tell you right now, I, I would rather them whoop up on Aaron Rodgers, then I would like them to whoop up on Andrew Luck. That's just the fact. I like Andrew Luck more than I like Aaron Rodgers. Maybe that's just me, but I, I pick and choose the guys that I actually want to get whooped up out there. That, that's part of life. I like some Broncos more than I like other Broncos. That's normal. Why are we so, we're, we're so scared to be, to be nasty. Let's be a little nasty. Come on. Anyway, this segment, I want to talk about the three things that we liked, that I liked, and the three things I didn't like from the game. Number one, this is obvious. Drew Locke, big step forward. Like I said in the first segment, Drew Locke looked good. Didn't look great. He looked good. That's enough for me. That's enough. Just improve. Look better. Look like he is He is learning the offense. He's learning how to work in a pocket, etc. I'm cool with that. That's a, that's a like for me. There wasn't a whole lot to like in this game, honestly. I, I struggled finding this list. As the skipper dude said, though, also, my second one is the starting defense was was very good, very solid. They, they didn't look great to me, honestly. I, didn't, I think they should have been better, quite frankly. Um, but they were good. They didn't give up any points. They didn't give up too many yards. Um... Some of those those rookie guys, I think Jones didn't have a big game, but he still looks big. That's the nice thing about Jones. He looks big out there. Malik Reed on the corner looks good. Um, 
I think the biggest thing I saw from this game that I liked on defense was the cornerbacks. Isaac Yadam, Devontae Bosby, these are your probably your number three to number four cornerbacks, and they've they've balled. They've balled. I I think Yadam's looked good. Now, is he going to do that in regular season? Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. He's a second year guy, but from what I've seen, he he's going to really be a solid number three, or he, he could be. He has all the skills. He has all the the athletic ability. We'll have to see if he can put it together. And so far, he has. That's big. I mean, I can't speak to how big that is because if you've got a good pass rush, you have to have corners who who work on the other side. You know, if the pass rush gets there fast, the cornerbacks pick it off. If the pass rush needs an extra second, the cornerbacks are in coverage. This is what happened with the with the no fly zone. I mean, when you had Chris Harris Jr. and and Aqib Talib and even Roby at number three, and then you know Stewart and Ward in in at playing safety, these were guys who really managed, especially in like press coverage, to help Vaughn Miller, Demarcus Ware, Bradley Chubb, eh, not quite Bradley Chubb, but these other guys back in the day to get pressure and to get sacks. And you need them to work together. And and if Bosby can be a decent number four and Yadam can be a good number three, watch out. Watch out. My number three thing I liked was I thought that the starting O-line and running backs looked good. I thought they looked, okay, at least okay. Um, the, obviously, the big run from, from Freeman looked awesome. I mean, that was like a perfect running play in many ways. I thought Freeman looked quick. I thought he looked smoother than I saw I think all year last year that I can remember, he looked really smooth. Um, Reisner, just a pancake block on that play. Reisner looks good. I, I heard from, I believe it was Derek Wolf talking about Reisner and Bowles and saying that they already are gelling that left side and really understand how to play together and how to work together. And that's, I could not wish to hear something more than that. That's perfect. If this O-line can gel, if they can just work together, even if it's not the great talent that we want them to be, if you work together as an offensive line, bingo. And maybe Munchak is just preaching the right language. Reisner is just a dude that looks like he he soaks up everything that's told him. He he's a baller. He's a nasty dude on the field. I he he could really be the steal of the draft. Truly, he could be the steal of the draft. Watch out for Dalton Reisner. I mean, he from what I've seen in the last two games, the little that he's played, dude could be good. Dude could be really good. Let, let's see what he does the rest of the preseason. I, I am eager to watch his tape, and that may be the first time I've ever said that regarding a guard in the NFL. But um, I thought Lindsey also looked quick. I thought he looked like he had some of his jukiness back. That's obviously a huge deal. I thought he didn't look great um, to start the camp. I've heard that from several people as well. But I thought he looked good. And... You know, the, the two of them, Royce Freeman and, and Lindsey, and now add in Theo Riddick, that could be a really good backfield. And that brings me, before I get into the three things I didn't like, I want to talk about real quickly, real quickly. I heard this on, I think, the 104.3 The, 104.3 the Fan, so I got to give them credit. That's where I heard it. They're talking about an ESPN report that ranked the Broncos quarterbacks as the 32nd in the NFL, the worst quarterbacks in football. Now, I don't think they're great. I mean, Flacco, yeah. Locke, he's a rookie. But are you really telling me that they're worse than Eli Manning and Daniel Jones? Are they worse than than Case Keenum and Colt McCoy? Are they worse than uh, 
Mr. Harvard and and Rosen down in Miami? Yeah, I don't know about that. 32nd is pretty harsh. The national media hates the Broncos this year. Hates them. Good time to go to Vegas because they're not going to be as bad as everyone thinks. Bovada, by the way, Bovada has them at seven wins and over under seven wins um, from Bovada. Um, that's not, I mean, that's a good line. Vegas, unfortunately, t- tends to get these things right. But I, I think they could be an 8-8 eight eight team if things go right. If things go right. Maybe that's a little bit of Kool-Aid. Anyway, I'm off on a tangent. I really wanted to originally say the Broncos, this ESPN report, they were ranked with a 24th running back room in the National Football League. That's egregiously stupid. Philip Lindsay was, was a pro bowler. Royce Freeman is, is, has shown that he can be a stud. Theo Riddick is a respected running back. Come on. 24th? What a joke. Sometimes it's like, you know, okay. Where do you get where are you pulling these things out of? And we'll see what their offensive line can do. Maybe that is part of what their their listing is is coming from, but I hope that the Broncos use this bulletin board material and come out strong. All right, my three things that I didn't like from the game. The tight ends, as I've seen many times on Twitter now, are cursed. That, that room is cursed. They can't stay healthy. Jake Butt, I don't know if he's ever going to play. I don't, I don't know. He doesn't look like it. Hasn't played a snap this year, this preseason. I, I think he may be done. It's sad. I mean, really a sad, a sad story. I think he was a talented dude that... You know, you get three ACL tears and and your body just no. Doesn't look like he's gonna be able to do it. And and Hireman too. Jeff Hireman's hurt. And it that's been his career story. Maybe he's a talented guy, but he can't stay healthy. And now Austin Ford goes and looks like he probably tore an ACL or something. He had a serious knee injury. He had to get carted off. There's another one. And that, that leaves us with what? Phantom Fumagali? Cripes. Not good. Not good. The tight ends, that situation is bad. Now, everyone knows I love Noah Fant. But for one, that's one tight end. You need at least more than one tight end. And honestly, Noah Fant looks fat. The dude looks fat and out of shape. I've been touting him since he was drafted. I love that draft pick. But the dude looks out of shape. And he ran like a five-yard, you know, hook. And he was out of breath. I mean, he was like turning around like, you know, take me out, coach. Woo. So I, I hope that obviously that's something he's working on in the offseason. But, you know, these guys, you know, that's the problem with the draft, that that they can look as good as possible in college and look great when they're at the combine. And then they, they make all this money and they go and, I don't even know, they, they, they go and just eat McDonald's all day or something. So hopefully he figures that out because I'm still promoting Fane. I'm not saying I'm not panicking, but I did not like the the direction this tight end room is headed. My second thing I didn't like was the depth. The depth of this team, oh, it's not great. It is not great. There are a couple of positions that looks good. I think the defensive line is deep. Running back is eh, three deep. It looks like the cornerback situation is okay. Secondary is pretty solid, I think. But then you got like inside linebacker. Todd Davis is our savior inside linebacker. 
Josie Jewell. These are guys we're really relying on to to guard Kelsey. Uh, <laughs> unless there's some total you know, switch up on defense, which maybe Fangio can do. Maybe he'll bring in a safety to, to cover these guys or something. I, I don't see that as an improvement. They didn't improve. They didn't bring in anyone else. And I mean, Davis has his qualities. Jewel has his qualities, but coverage, at least from what I've seen, is not really one of them. So inside linebacker, that's a problem. Now, my third thing I didn't like is Flacco's face. Joe Flacco's face bothers me. The dude just has, he shows literally zero emotion. Zero. And I know that's not a problem. I get this is a stupid thing to gripe about, but it bothers me. It's like, dude, smile or yell or or scream or pout or something. I would rather him pout like Aaron Rodgers than, than just have nothing. It bothers me. Man, show something out there, man. I mean, I like that about Locke. Dude shows his emotions. He makes a nice play. He smiles. I just—it's just—it's a—it's a human emotion. I want to see the guy smile, and I don't think we're going to see it. He just has this total deadpan, deadpan frown. Ugh. To add on to that, something I okay, a more realistic thing I didn't like was the wide receiving. Wide receiving core is a mess. I mean, Sutton got nothing. Patrick, I think one catch. Hamilton, one catch. Sanders is obviously still hurt. Nobody has stepped up as a wide receiver in camper preseason. No one. No one's getting open. No one's making big plays. This is through two games. So it is time to at least start to not panic, but start to worry. Sutton has done nothing to prove he's a number one. He hasn't. I hope he does. I hope he's the next Demarius Thomas. But so far, he's not. If there's any position, honestly, on the team... I think wide receiver almost worries me the most. Now, yeah, if Sanders can come back totally healthy, then it's something. That'll help, of course. But can he? That's a tough injury to come back from, especially for a wide receiver. He may look fantastic out there cutting and running as fast as he can, you know, in the open field. But once he has to start, you know, getting hit at the line, I I hope he holds up. I hope he holds up. I hope he's as quick as he used to be. That's a big worry. I, that is by far my biggest worry so far this preseason. There's just not enough talent for Flacco to throw to. Now, if Fant can get unfat in the next three weeks, if Sutton can can step it up and, and become that true number one, if Sanders becomes healthy, then okay, we're looking at, at solid talent. Not great talent, solid talent. But if none of that happens, big trouble, big big, big trouble because then everyone's just going to line up and just totally stuff the run. And this is going to be one of the worst offenses in football. And we're going to see exactly why ESPN has the quarterback ranked at 32 and the running backs ranked at 24. Let's hope they're wrong. So Fant, knock off the cheeseburgers and Sanders, bro, get healthy, man, please. All right. After this, Quick break. We're going to talk about what's going on around the NFL. There's some good ones. There are some good ones.
All right. I know that people are out there kind of thinking, well, you know, Kevin is just panicking. I'm, I'm really not. I'm not panicking. I think that the team is still headed in the right direction. They got a lot of good youth, good young players, guys that really could turn into something. I hope they do. Um, we're going to see plenty. There's plenty of time to fix these things. There's plenty of time to fan to get, you know, in shape, plenty of time for Sanders to get healthy. You know, the O-line can gel and they really can work. I, I really believe this could be an eight and eight team, possibly, possibly, possibly nine and seven, but boy, their record is brutal. That's something we're going to talk about probably next week and go game by game through their record. Um, it's, it's hard. I mean, geez, they've got to play Kansas city twice. San Diego twice, and yeah, even Oakland twice. I mean, Oakland, they're, I mean, they're Oakland. They're, they're a joke, but they brought in some more talent. They're going to be more talented than they've been. And as we know, they can just totally pick apart this defense, especially without an inside linebacker. Now, I want to start there. A, a little bit of news from around the league because it's been kind of a funny week around the league. I don't usually talk about the NFL in general, sometimes about the AFC West, but there's been kind of a lot going on. Um, part of that is, yeah, as we talked about before Antonio Brown's frozen feet, which is just hilarious. Um, and as I said, I watched that first episode of hard knocks and boy, that, that safety Abram just drive, drove me crazy. Anyway, I don't know if anyone else watched this. I like, dude, you're, you're nobody just be quiet, please. Um, but they're going to be pretty good. I, I think they're going to really improve. I think they've brought in some talented guys, Tyrell Williams, Antonio Brown. Uh, they're they're not going to be great, but they're going to be about with the Broncos, I think, at 8-8. Eight and eight. And they're just as talented in a lot of ways as the Broncos. Now, on defense, maybe not, but they're getting better. So they're not going to be a gimme. They're definitely not going to be a gimme. Um, what else is going around? On around the NFL, Tyreek Hill didn't get any suspension. I don't even really want to start on that. I think everyone knows my feelings about Tyreek Hill and anyone who even breathes wrongly in the direction of a woman or a child. I imagine most or all of my listeners agree with that. So the fact that he didn't get suspended at all because there's no video evidence is one of the biggest jokes I've ever heard in my entire life. So if there's anyone that I would like to see hurt not injured, but hurt. Yeah. Uh, Tyreek Hill, please bruise the dude on his backside. Um, the more news about Aaron Rodgers, who everyone else also knows I don't like, um, he has been criticizing his new head coach, LaFleur, who is like barely older than Rodgers. Yeah, that was a good idea. He's been criticizing how he's been running camp. Like, yeah, no one saw that coming. Yeah, you bring in a, a, a rookie coach who's like 40 to coach Rodgers, who's everyone knows is a prima donna jerk. <laughs> I mean, that was smart. I mean, you, they really put all the control in Rodgers' hands, and now Rodgers is coming out in the public and criticizing his head coach and how he's running the team. Talk about a mess. And talk about how important it is to have good dudes on your team. Now, Flacco, yeah, maybe he's you know morose and, and doesn't show emotions as much as I would like, but... He doesn't seem to be a total jerkwad like Aaron Rodgers. Uh, what else is going on? Kyler Murray looked freaking awesome. Um, I don't know if anyone watched that game or that first drive against the LA Chargers, but whoa. I mean, yeah, it was like seven passes, but he was seven for seven. 
and he looked really good. He looked really smooth. He looked really confident, totally in control. He looked good in the pocket. He looked good on the run. He ran to his left. He ran to his right. He made middle passes, deep passes, short passes. Kyler Murray could be legit. So if there's anyone I would be picking up as kind of a late round quarterback in fantasy, uh, Kyler Murray, yeah, they could put up a ton of yards. They've got some talent on, on offense. They've got a new scheme that's probably going to take teams to figure out a bit. Um, and Kyler Murray is going to rack it up and he's going to rack up rushing yards, rushing touchdowns, passing touchdowns. So watch him in fantasy. And actually to fantasy, I, I mentioned that earlier. If you want to draft any Broncos, draft Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman, and that's it. Now, maybe Fant, if he shows us something in the next few weeks, but other than that, no, nobody else. Uh, last but not least, because we've talked about everyone else in the West, um, the LA Chargers have really done very little. We haven't heard, you don't hear about the Chargers ever, but usually you hear about the rest of the teams in the AFC West because of negative things, and the Chargers just go about their business. They're a good team. I I, I almost say they're a really good team. Now, obviously, they've been known since Phillip Rivers has been quarterback to choke in big games, kind of like the Dallas Cowboys, but they are talented on both sides of the ball. Now, Melvin Gordon, their running back, is is sitting out because he wants more money. We'll see what happens there. Same with, with Ezekiel Elliott in in Dallas. Um, talk about fantasy repercussions. Yikes. Um, but LA is going to be really good. It just shows you, again, the Broncos have a brutal schedule. So don't expect big things this year from the Broncos. Okay. I want to finish things up talking about what we want to look, what we should look forward to, to Monday night's game against San Francisco. Um, first of all, most importantly, they've got to stay healthy. They've got to stay healthy. You know, these, these injuries, um, that they're especially on offense. I mean, Fort. um, they also, Janovich also got hurt. Sounds like it could be serious. They just, you can't deal with that. Now, I know that's not something you can help, but boy, oh boy, do I hope that there are no more serious injuries for the rest of preseason. Now, I know that's, you know, cross your fingers, but if they lose anyone else on the offense, this team is in trouble. Um, I also want to see the wide receiver step up. Somebody, somebody step up. One of these guys needs to become the guy. Now, Flacco is going to have his own guy. You know, maybe it's Emmanuel Sanders. That would make the most sense. Maybe it's Fant. But even these these backup guys, even these three, four, five guys, can't someone's got to find this connection with Locke. Anybody. Somebody show up. These wide receivers have not done crap all camp and not in the preseason games either. I mean, Winfrey had that nice catch in the Hall of Fame game, but that was like it. So somebody, please, take the ball in their hands and run with it. Finally, they've got to find some way to manage this inside linebacker tight end situation because they're all injured. Everyone's hurt. No one knows who's going to be even there available for the year. It's already a, a, both of those positions are not positions of strength for the team. And they're extremely important. Tight end is extremely important for this offense, as we've mentioned. Inside linebacker is extremely important in today's NFL. You have to have a guy who can run with a tight end. 
And I don't see that with Todd Davis. I don't see that with any of the Broncos receivers. I mean, excuse me, with their, any of their middle linebackers. And that's something we have to see. In the coming weeks, they've got to fix that. Either they're changing the defensive scheme or somebody steps up. And if that doesn't happen in the next few weeks, again, we're going to see why some sites are, are they, they project the Broncos to win three games. Three. There, there is a true bottom for this team. Now, I think the ceiling is maybe nine wins. The floor is low. It's low. We, we've got to keep that in mind. We don't know what we're going to get from Flacco. Can the offensive line gel and do anything? Can Sutton be number one receiver? Can Fant even have a decent rookie year? Is the defense really going to be great? Chris Harris Jr. at, at what, 31 years old, is he going to be the same Chris Harris Jr.? Kareem Jackson's old too? We'll see. But they've got to really improve in the next few weeks to, to really have me or anyone else having real faith in this team in 2019. And if they're not going to go anywhere in 2019, then you better start playing true lock. With that, I'll end the show. We'll talk to you guys next week. Go Broncos. Hopefully they win against San Francisco. And hopefully we have some nice things to talk about next week. Ooh, Monday, maybe Tuesday. And we'll see when we do the show. Until then, peace. Uh, yeah, whatever. You're sort of pitchy. Oh, didn't like it. Listen, man, I'm not your friend. Mm, don't fall asleep.